All right, here we go, everybody. Welcome to episode number 76 of Sports Cards Live. Today is January the 23rd, 2021. My name is Jeremy Lee. It is Saturday night. Welcome, everybody. I want to thank last Saturday's guest, Carvin Chung, the architect, inventor of the Cup and Exquisite. We had a great conversation. Check that out. I also want to thank last Saturday's After Hours guest, Richard Ho, one of the one of the guys who does more through the mail autographs than anybody else, Make does beautiful work at creating his own cards even. Next Saturday, my guest is going to be Brett McGrath from the Stacking Slabs podcast. You'll want to check that out. And coming this Wednesday, special episode with Investacards, Edward, who recently partnered with Marcus Limonis, the host of CNBC's The Profit. So we're going to find out about that and Edward's Investacard platform. If you're new, we have over 90 episodes in the archive on the YouTube channel. If you haven't yet subscribed, please do greatly check that, check them out. Greatly appreciate it. And there's lots of options for you past guests to Really check it out and see who you want to watch. Uh, there, there, there's lots of knowledge buried in this uh, on the Sports Cards Live YouTube channel. I greatly appreciate that. I also, check out The Big Three on Instagram right here. You can follow them at The Big Three Hockey. These guys showcase the finest singles in the hobby. Be sure to check them out as well. Also, subscribe to the Basketball Card Fanatic magazine right here. If you go to paypal.me slash basketball card and you want to subscribe for one year 80 bucks mention sports cards live and they will give you that special deal also at the end of the episode tonight brad and i will be doing the sports cards live five and the pc card of the day that'll be a lot of fun as always your comments and your questions are in place so do not be shy and tonight on after hours which will start about two hours from now my guest will be brad from the comeback card investor YouTube channel. That should be a lot of fun. Check that out. That's a nice chill evening we will have later on tonight. All right, let's get to tonight's guest who got into the hobby in the early 1980s when he was stacking his Opeaches in elastic bands. He got wise, paid attention to condition by the mid 80s, completing sets, and to get the singles he wanted, he was doing mail order. That's what it was back in the 1980s. In 1988, he started ordering direct from manufacturer, ended up getting a tour of the Opeachy factory in 1990 by then owner Gary Kareen. He bought his first card shop at the age of 15 with proceeds from the sale of 1991 Opeachy Premier Hockey. His favorite players are Wayne Gretzky and Sidney Crosby from Halifax, Nova Scotia. Let's bring him out right now. Brad Hartland, welcome to episode 76 Sports Cards Live. How are you doing tonight, my man? Awesome, Jeremy. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. It's my my pleasure, Brad. It's it's, yeah. it's great to have you, buddy. It's great to have you. So, listen, let's let's jump right in. Now, obviously, you're with PSA Canada. Now, people want to know all about that, but before we get into that, you are personal friends with one of hockey's most notorious agitators, Brad Marchand. Give a give us a bit of a glimpse into what Brad Marchand is like off the ice. You know, it's one of those things, I mean, we talked about this when we, we first started to discuss about doing the interview tonight. And, uh, you know, he's he's one of these guys, I haven't talked to him or seen him the last few years, but we had a, just a great relationship whenever I'd see him. We'd always have laughs, we'd have some good fun, and he's a, there's a little bit of a misrepresentation about him. You know, he is what he is on the ice, he's, he plays his role, he does it all, but sometimes people get caught up in that and they forget the aspect of, what a community guy this is, you know, what a father he is now and a husband. And, 
you can see how he matured. And I look at myself, you know, still wild in the 20s. And it's, it takes some people longer to hit that stage. And just from you could bump into him at the grocery store. You'd see him at the movie theaters. He'd stop and he'd have the hecklers behind that would give him a little chirp here and there. And he'd still take pictures with every kid, sign every autograph. He's just a, he's a genuine good person. And sure, he knows his role and, you know, what a career he has. Stanley Cup in 2011. It's, uh, I just like to say when people do say, I was like, you don't know the real Brad Marshall. So, you know, we haven't talked in a few years. We haven't seen, especially now he hasn't come back to Halifax where I always bump into him, but I know he's doing good out there and I root for him. And I don't know what his Bruins are up to tonight, but I think they well, were three, two at one point I checked. <laughs> he had, he had two goals. I think I saw two goals, the second and third goal, uh, by, before I came in here and got ready for the show tonight. So he's have he's having a good night. You, I got to agree. If the players, they have their on ice characters, characteristics, they have their on ice roles, but uh, it's sometimes nice to hear what these guys are like off the ice. They're people just like us, except they play sports professionally. That's the only difference between them and us. Right. Yeah, yeah. sure. Okay. Well, listen, before we get into your, your role with PSA Canada, where you're going with that, let's learn a little bit more about you. So, Tell, tell us a bit about your history in the hobby. You know, you've been setting up the expo for about 15 years. Tell us a little bit about that and owning the shop at 15 years old. Yeah, no, you know, I guess I, if you want to go back to that, when I first started in that, it, again, being a collector in the 80s, enjoying the hobby, and all of a sudden in 1990, it was kind of, I guess, a little bit like what we're going through in 2020 in a way, in a different scale and different reasons. But it was exciting times. And uh, a friend of mine who was, I'd say five or six years older, he he approached me about buying a store. And I said, buying a store. So fortunately, I was in the in the position where I went home. I explained it to mom and dad, who was the who were always there for me no matter what crazy idea I came up with. And they believed in me and they believed in sports cards. So there was never a question, hey, can I borrow a thousand dollars because I have to go buy a box of case of cards because I'm going to sell it out my bedroom window and I'm going to turn it into twelve hundred dollars. And they always supported me. So when we first did that, we did a deal. The guy's name was Benny Devine. It was Ben Sports Cards. And I remember all we did is change it out and called it Brad Sports Cards. We had a little sticker on it. And that's <laughs> that's how we rolled with it back in the in the South Center Mall back then. So yeah, that was a great experience. And I really, you know, I really enjoyed that. So yeah, right. It's funny you say you say that your parents supported you in those years. I was the opposite. I would get my allowance, go to the card shop. And I'd have to sneak the cards back into the house so that my mom wouldn't think I wasted my money on stupid baseball or hockey cards. Now, when I show them what's going on, they're wishing they were investing or collecting or, you know, alongside me, not not uh, trying to slow me down back in the day. So I, yeah. I hear you. I hear you. And so tell us a bit about your expo uh, experiences and, and your experience, like being there set up and how long you've been in that for. Yeah, so we came up, I, I went to the Expo all through like in the 90s, different times. I missed some here or there, but I'd say the last 15 years we've been set up for it. So we're kind of the, uh, I guess, the Atlantic Canadian crew that comes up. There's a group of a uh, dozen of us that fly up. We have, uh, I have a cube van that we take everyone's stuff up in the cube van. We get a couple volunteers, different guys change it up, but to drive up. Uh, Bill Fougier, who's been a staple at the show in Toronto forever, he he, him and his brother usually do it as a bonding experience to drive the cube van up and they drive back. So, 
but it's great. You know, we come up with lots of stuff. It gives everyone access to it. And then we, we go around the room and I try to buy as much stuff as I can. And it's always funny because I back the cube van up and we fill it with the time when it comes back, it's jammed right to the rim. We kind of, whether it was a few times I bought out Upper Deck's booth from Diane and and she always took good care of me. And she's like, okay, if you want to buy everything that's left, here's what we can do. And I'd be like, all right, I'm in. As long as we got room in the cube van. So, but I, I you know, I, you talked about it many times, Jeremy, and I look at it and I, I truly miss that. Like that's part of my life that two times a year to go to Toronto and all those things. And I won't go into them, but from the smells of the room, which we all know about to <laughs> people to, it, it's just a unique experience. And I, I absolutely love it. And I, I hope that, you know, Steve's able to pull off some magic and see what happens if, with COVID in May, if there's another show, that'd be awesome. But who knows? So, well, yeah, Steve's with us right now. He says uh, the Maritime Mafia. So he, he's, he's <laughs> watching as we speak. Uh, Steve, welcome as well. And yeah, um, I'm certainly with you, Brad. I love Expo. It's I look forward to it twice a year. They're my two favorite weekends of the year, bar none. I also love to go on the National. So I'm with you, man. I, I can't wait to get uh, to get Expo back on track. The the virtuals have been fun. I've enjoyed them, but there's nothing like being there in person. You've you've bought cards from me. You've come to my booth at the Expo several times. I I don't know you that well, but I feel like we have rapport, and it must be from you coming by the booth or me coming by yours and uh, us doing some deals. Is there, is there, are there any deals you remember we've done? Cause nothing specific comes to mind for me. And I know I'm catching you kind of by surprise here with this question, but anything, uh, do you remember any deals we've done? I feel like we did a deal on a Gretzky rookie, but I, again, being so heavy into the grading and I have been for such a long time, you know, I scour the room to buy those young guns. I think there's myself and a guy out of Ontario. We always, who I'm getting to know even better now, Chad Molusky, but we always talk about, you know, we were the young PSA young gun Kings on eBay for the longest period of time. He'd look and see, Oh my God, there's 10 PSA Stamkos is listed. And we talk about that back and forth, but so I would scour the show and I would buy as many young guns as I possibly could. So it was interesting, but one of those things too, I tried to do is, as you know, as a dealer and as a collector that, when people critique your cards too much, I try to go by and I'll take the chance. If you have a stack of Miko Ranton and young gun rookies and I want to buy them, I'm not going to go through and pick out your two best and leave you with them. Usually I'll try to make a deal on the stack and then I go back and we figure it out from there because, you know, it makes it a little difficult in the hobby when there's a lot of guys that just want the cream of the crop and away we go. Yeah. I was going to ask you sort of because you, you're not it's not like you're entering the grading game as a part of PSA Canada now without being you know an experienced sports card grader I want to know a bit more about your experience grading sports cards and uh even you know we'll get into it shortly but you know kind of everything up until you talking to Len Potty and coming up with a deal to whatever the deal is we'll get to it later but a bit more, if you don't mind, about your experience grading and why why you like it. Yeah, you know, it was back in the, I'm going to say, it was the early 2000s, um, going to the Toronto Expo, and there was a, a friend of mine who came up from Memphis, Kurt Welsh, who's KHW on eBay. He has a huge listings and followings. He's, he's mostly primarily autographs now, but he introduced it to me. He'd come up and he'd have a booth there, and 
he'd be buying like you know 90 tops traded steps opening them up taking out the one frank Dobbs, then throwing the rest in the garbage and he'd go home with just a stack of card savers already and be like yeah i'll just submit these to psa and watch what you can do it's amazing so then we went to the national in cleveland and i went down and stayed with them and I was just mystified that, you know, we, I bought an 86, 87 flare. It was one of the even or the odd numbers on the outside edge of the sheet that are tough to get the big grades on. I forget who it was, Kevin Willis. Anyways, it was two bucks. I bought the card for it. We got it graded and it, we turned it in. We sold it for $7,000 US as a 10. And, and instantly I just went, this is insane. This is, this is absolute. And there was a bidding war between two guys on their phones going back and forth and I just was like you know I was hooked like it was just like is this for real you know it, it really shocked me so so yeah so Kurt uh, I give a lot of credit to he got me into it and uh kind of never looked back since then so what year did you say what year about that was oh you know my daughter was born in 2006 and it was before Paris so I, I'd say it was right around you know late 90s into 2000 like okay. what's out, like right around when PSA was really starting, so pretty early, pretty yeah. early in grading game, old label PSA. Uh, oh yeah, then yeah, yeah. Okay, so listen, we got a bunch of people in the crowd, bunch of people watching. Welcome everybody again. This is episode seventy-six of Sports Cards Live. My guest is Brad Hartland from PSA Canada and AMG Collectibles. I want to thank everybody. If it's your first time watching, welcome again. Uh, feel free to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Greatly appreciate that. And uh, tune in for more episodes coming live every Saturday night. Do want to say, let's just run through here, Brad. See who we have in the crowd. Say hello to a couple of guys. We got Legion. I'm not going to hit everybody up because we're going we're gonna to get to the content. I know you all want to hear it. But the first few guys that were in tonight, Charles, welcome. Terry, welcome. Brian, welcome. I want to bring up uh, Glenn. Welcome back. Justin Ventura, we saw you last night. Big unit. I want to leave this one up, Rondell. Uh, RIP to Hank Aaron. That was a big loss for the sporting world yesterday. So definitely rest in peace to uh, Hank Aaron, the hammer and Hank for sure. Drew, welcome to the show. Peter, welcome. Steve, welcome. We got, we got lots of guys here. Thanks, everybody, for coming out tonight. Okay. P so, I mean, PSA is out of California. It's always been challenging for Canadians to send cards for grading. A lot of people don't know, what do you do? How do you do it? Do you, do you, how do you send them across the border? And it seems like several years ago, Len Potty had a deal with PSA and created PSA Canada as a submission center, uh, sort of a go-between between, you know, the collector and PSA itself. Can you, that, that's my understanding. Can you fill us in on the history of PSA Canada? Yeah, so again, I got to learn a lot more. I've known Len for 30 years. I mean, he, I know his, his family as well, and he would set up the flea market actually where I had my store back when he was, a, you know, the alt, the vintage card dealer, and he would set up and he'd work it. And so over the time, I got to know him really, really good. And he's been, he started with PSA. This is his, I'm going to say it's his 21st year with PSA. PSA approached him about starting accepting submissions. So Len did all the, the groundwork. He was, I think he was kind of skeptical at first. He didn't really know. He wasn't a dealer in graded cards, but he thought, well, maybe this could be the way of the future and this could be something. And so he kind of took it by the reins and said, yeah, I'm going to give it a go. And he did. And uh, like I said, 21 years and started off slow. You know, I don't know how many his submission numbers were, but he kept on growing it. It kept on growing it. And PSA, 
as we as I'm sure you know, Jeremy, like there was a point where they were primarily vintage. And I, I don't know when that switchover was, even like five or six years ago, it was, you know, Beckett was the new thing, PSA was the vintage. And um, it's been an interesting journey along that way for him. So you can just see how he's grown the business because people got comfortable. Uh, 21 years, knock on wood, and this is something I get very nervous about. I think about it all the time since I started this, but he's never lost a package. He's never lost a card. Um, you know, there's been some different things happen along the road, but you got to be able to pivot and you have to be able to deal with the situation. And I watch him and he, he's been great at that. So when a problem does arise, he fixes it and moves forward. So, so how did you get involved with Len, uh, to bring you to where we are today? So I've been a submitter with Len for, I'd say the last 15 years, dropping cards off at his house. He would submit them. I'd get the cards back. It'd be like Christmas, the whole thing. It was exciting. So I'd say probably a couple, two or three years ago, I mentioned to him, I was like, hey, Len, you know, if you, if there's a point you ever kind of want to retire slash slow down a little bit, or I never really thought about it as the point where if he was going to need help, I just thought it was kind of going to be this cut and dry situation. And then comes, you know, 2019, where all of a sudden it's 10,000, 15,000 cards a month. They're being submitted, and it's a lot of work. And then comes 2020, which it just explodes. So as a friend, and there's a lot of other good guys out there, there's Nelson and these other guys that were big submitters with Len through the through all this, started to really see it going, this is not one person running an operation out of his house can handle this. So in probably in October, I said, Glenn, I'll just, I'll just help you. I, I, I'll just come out to your house one day a week or whatever you need me because I love the service that you provide us up here in Canada. It's, a, it's the best rates, the best turnaround time, everything about it, and plus Len's a friend. And I was just like, I'll help out any way I can. We kind of talked a little more and then we hit into October and then submission, it doubled again. And then we hit into November and it doubled again. So, I mean, the sheer volume of cards were there and Len was like, you know, I, I, I think I've talked to PSA. They're, I'm kind of looking at a succession plan and I want someone that I can work with and trust. And there was a lot of great guys out there that talked to, I, I feel very fortunate that Len had faith in me and chose me to kind of come in with them because there's some great guys that approach Len about this and very, you know, credible and uh, successful guys. So once we decided, we we put a deal in place and uh, said, look, Len, you're around as long as you want to be around for. We'll, we'll be partners on this. We'll grow this thing together. And Len kind of, he knows what he wants to do and he knows his exit strategy. So I think it's it's his baby, as he always said. He wants to pass the reins over to me, but when he's ready to make that decision, then I guess hopefully I'll I'll still be around, and it will be a, it will be me running the show completely. But it, it's kind of on his terms. It, this is something that he built up, and it's so impressive, you know, just from everything, from the sheer volume, like I said, to to the business that he has. And fortunately, PSA has given him the opportunity too. And uh, it's pretty incredible to see. So what can you tell us about the deal you have with him? Yeah, so I guess I kind of summed it up a bit there. It's, it's we'll be partners as long as he wants to stay involved. And it's kind of on his terms. And 
for me right now, I want him around as long as I possibly can keep him around because, you know, we, me and him had this conversation today and we talked about how we were dealing with some younger guys and they had different ideas. We we're talking about the new rates. And I said, Len, there's something now. I mean, I'm only, I'm going to say I'm only 44, but I am getting older. And the old phrase that the older, the older you get, the wiser you get. I just feel like I reflect on that so much now and it makes sense. So, uh, yeah, so we're going to see the deals in place. It's locked in. And now we just have to get a, keep on working with PSA on, on their terms um, to see what's going to transpire for the rest of 2021. Well, you know, just like I'm, I'm super excited and I hope the deal goes through at the Collector's Universe level, the Nat Turner takeover or buyout, whatever you want to call it. Um, I'm excited about that because I think Nat Turner is going to, uh, you know, really instill some some youth into the company at PSA, and you know, of of course, he's a he's a collector. I think I think it's going to result in good things for PSA, uh, the 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 head office, the head the head office out of California. And just like I'm excited to have him there, I'm excited to have you, uh, kind of. I don't want to say taking the reins because I'm not sure what what exactly the workload's going to be between you and Len. But I think it's nice to have some youth. And I mean, I, you know, nothing against Len, but he's not in his 40s anymore. It's nice to have someone young kind of taken over who I think maybe has some energy and will market this thing and really be able to brand it well. That's what I'm excited about. And because even for myself, I've been submitting to PSA for years, but I've always done it at the national. I've always taken my cards with me, submitted them in person because I wasn't sure the best way to get them there. And I wasn't, you know, I saw PSA Canada, but I never really understood what it was exactly that he was doing. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to you maybe taking that marketing to the next level and growing the brand. Is that part of your, what, what, your role as you see it? Yeah, no, absolutely, hundred percent. There was a point this year, I think it might have been in June or July, where Len just he was not taking new customers, and it was simply because again back to the whole thing way too much work for one person um you know you're getting packages in the mail and i even kind of joked around before i'd be like ah, it can't be that bad and all of a sudden just helping them with november and then all of a sudden me just doing january submission you know which was a 120th or 130th of the size of november and i'm just sitting there going like this is a lot of work like there's a lot of things that are involved we have a we have a new office in place. We have staff in place now getting ready to go forward. So we can really streamline this operation to make it to make it more efficient. And uh, the one thing that we have to do is we're still looking, you know, PS, it's PSA. And we have, we're dictated by them. And a lot of people kind of thought there was a delay in the negotiations from November, December. We didn't do a submission in December, but with everything that PSA is dealing with, and I, you've talked about it on the show and, and all this, but you just think from a company that their volume went 10 times in the matter of six months to what they were already having a backlog. Then all of a sudden you get hammered with a the pandemic. Then all of a sudden you come into December and it's like, wow, we just had an offer. We're going to have new owners. So you put all this stuff together and I'm just like, I get it, you know, and I'm I'm just sending an email here, a text message saying, "Hey guys, I hope everything's going well down there." But um, we've got about 1,200 customers up here that really want to know what we're going to do a submission. <laughs> so it, there's a lot of back and forth, and and the best 
answers they could give, they still didn't know the answers because there's a lot of things happening down there, right? And who knows what their vision for 2021 and 2022 is going to be. But when I look at it from the outside, and I guess you talked at the beginning, what made me want to join? And when I seen these new guys coming in and now I don't know them, I've never met them. I just did what you did. I read about them. I love their passion. And it's like, this is the company that I, I want to be associated with. You know, there's no question in my mind. And I think they're going to have some new innovations that are going to come into the grading, whether it's through acquisitions, through its technology, whatever they come up with, they've got a plan. And it's going to be exciting to see. And, you know, we're just a, we're a submitter to them, but we're a partner. And uh, I'm excited about the opportunity because I live and breathe this hobby. And now, it, I mean, it's always been a business, but now it's more so. I'm focusing all my efforts on this. So I'm excited for it. That's cool. Well, you mentioned that, you know, they 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 do, they do everything sort of carefully down there. And uh, part of that would be them actually vetting you into their family, if you will, or them willing to do business with you and, and uh, you know, kind of, allowing you to represent the PSA Canada brand on on their behalf as a submitter. So I, I want to talk a bit about that. But before we do, I just a couple comments I want to bring uh, I want to bring to your attention because they're night. Matt Chang says uh, great show as usual. Brad is one of the best guys in the biz down to earth. Just a great guy. So that's really nice to hear. I want to welcome Josh Jerez. First time watcher live. Welcome live for the first time. B Kemp from K-Town. What, I, to me, K-Town's Kelowna, BC. Is there another is there a K-Town out east or? I'm not I sure, <laughs> but welcome to the show, B. Camp Cardboard Max from Buffalo is here watching with us. Uh, this anonymous Facebook user says, what are the chances of PSA opening a grading office in Canada? I mean, I've I've wanted it for a long time. You know, you go to the expo, you, you can submit to PSA at the expo. You've been able to in the past, but they would not be able to grade at the expo and have a slabbing machine. Can you speak to that at all? I don't. I don't know. Maybe maybe that would be competing with what you're doing. But what do you think about what do you think about that? I just I I don't think that's on. I've asked that question to them um, before getting involved, and I don't think it's on their radar right now at all. And when you look at it, a lot of people don't really understand the process. Like there's a PSA Canada, there's a PSA Japan, there's a PSA China, um, there's all North America submitting, but. Every card that PSA grades, besides when they do at the national and so forth, but it's all done in their head office in California. So everything is submitted into that one facility. And when and I've never talked to PSA about this, but when I when I think about it, it's like more from like from a security, from an ethics, from all this standpoint, you know, you have this world-renowned grading service that you know Joe Orlando started and turned it into this billion dollar company which is just it's mind-blowing when you think of it it's if you had offices all over you had an office in Canada you had an office in Europe I think the consistency in grading and and the possibility for other things to happen you know it's like if you have one business and you keep your eye on it and you just do your thing but once you start to expand to that level you know those are I think that's on their radar that would be on my radar but I'm not sure, but I don't see anything happening. I think they'd open an office in New York 
out east of the U.S. before they ever thought about coming to Canada. Yeah, they'd probably they'd have to they'd have to balance the uh, the regional growth against the loss of control and the loss of oversight because that would yeah. definitely be an issue for them. Uh, Brian Brian says that uh, Len is the goat. We'll be referring to Len Potty, your partner. Luke says very honest and fair guy. That's nice to hear. Justin Bode wants to. Sorry for getting a little far last. That's okay, Justin. We were having fun last night. Uh, JSUT says I don't even know. Didn't even know there's a PSA Canada. And then S. Noble says, you know, I, I agree with that. Uh, and me either. So you know, that's why it speaks to me being sort of happy that you're coming in now, and maybe we'll be able to take that marketing to uh, to the next level. So that's pretty cool. Um. <laughs> Okay, we've got Len was the best. Len is king. So Len's got a lot of fans. Oh, Wayne Fraser's in the house. Good evening, Wayne. Great to see you. Been a bit of been a while. Um, Ken Reed, your your friend Ken Reed said, and past guest to Sports Cars Live and anchor on Sportsnet says Brad Hartland is good people. Please ask him who's all time favorite play by play announcer is. Well, Ken, we just asked him, Brad. Please, hands down, Kenny Reed. Not even being biased there, eh? They, he can go back to his Eastlink days and. I told you about it, Jeremy, when we talked prior to the show, but he's got a song that he sings every now and then at the expo over the PA that I'm involved with. And it's a, it's a pretty unique song. So next time he's on, he'll have to give a 20 second rendition. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Okay. Uh, so let's talk a bit about the vetting process because I found this to be really reassuring that PSA isn't just willing to hand out dealerships, if you will, to anybody. You went through a vigorous process. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so I, I wasn't really sure. And Len talked to me about the vetting process that he went through. But again, it was uh, 20. I don't know if he did it 20 years ago or if he had to do it 15 years ago, whenever it was. And it was a long process for him. So I wasn't really sure what to suspect, but I've been involved in a lot of different businesses where, you know, we'd have to go through the process of record checks and all these other different things. So when they sent me the form in December, um, you know, I filled out the six, seven pages, whatever it was. And then I was contacted by two different agencies um, to, to verify all the questions and, and so forth. And also I put down, I think it was three or four um, contacts that they wanted to talk to. And all four of them were called within a 48 hour period, which was great to see. So I got excited. I was like, you know what, this is really good. So um, obviously one of those persons was Len and Len, Len wrote them a, a letter and kind of explained the whole situation. And I was, it was very flattering. It was very sincere and made me feel good. And my other contacts made some jokes about it, that they were going to say a few different things. And Maybe I won't be won't be part of PSA and just, just joking around, but it was interesting. So, so they did all that, and then I got a letter. Um, I got an email, and then I got a letter in the mail afterward that everything was approved. But it, it was a lengthy process, and it was a lot of work on PSA's part to do their due diligence to make sure that they want people. And it really showed me as well what type of a company they are. They they want to make sure they do their homework before they allow someone. To, to be a submitter, at the end of the day, we're our own company. We submit to them, but we use the PSA name. People are using that. They're, they're sending their cards to us. It, it, it's a huge trust factor. You know, I we received a box in January, and I opened it up, and I was just kind of, this guy's been submitting to Len for a long time, and I opened the box up. I looked inside, and sitting at the office, I just was like, whoa. And there was some heavy, 
heavy cards in there. And I being the collector side, I just was excited. And I was like, this is very, this is, this is awesome. You know, and this is what it is. And it, it, that showed me as well, how much trust in this hobby that Len has built up over the years. You know, people are just mailing him packages of their cards. People are dropping off cards. And when you talk about it, you know, I think on this submission in January, we're, I'm going to say between 60 and 70 nice Gretzky rookies are going into PSA that people sent from across Canada. And I, I'm sure in the next submission in February, that number might even surpass that to be 100 or 200 cards, right? So, yeah. yeah. Cool. I got I got some uh, closure here on what what K Town was. It was Kingston, Ontario, because I'm wearing the tragically hip shirt tonight. I wore uh, I, I wear the tragically hip shirt tonight because it's got the Canadian flag on it to tie into PSA Canada. That was my that was the the that was the reference there for me. Anyway, so okay, so you also were telling me that you visited the PSA headquarters last year, and that was a, you were doing a bit of your own due diligence on this, and you wanted to understand their their process. Uh, the layout, all that. What did you learn uh, from that trip? You know what? It was very interesting. So me and a good friend of mine, we bought two collections last year and um, there was some valuable cards. And I, again, being the same guy, I never even think twice dropping stuff off to Len. I just like, hey, I go to his house. I leave my box. I don't stress about it. I never worried about it. But I wanted to kind of go down there and I I took down a half, well, no, about there was 12 or 15 cards that I took with me. And um, so we we flew. I ended up flying to Austin, Texas with a friend of mine who was so kind to, to transport me down there. And uh, I jumped on a plane from there and we went down to L.A. And then I went over to California and um, I showed up Monday morning. I was there just when the doors opened with just my kit bag, kit, kit bag on my back. And I'm... I roll into their office and and there was two ladies that were at the front desk and I was like, well, this is PSA. It was just a big cement building. Like I just kind of, it's like, this is interesting. I think I'm at the right place. I, I don't know what I was expecting, but obviously for security, I don't think they blare. This is the headquarters of PSA out there. So I rolled in and they said, uh, you got some car, I, you want to get same day service? I said, yeah. And I, they said, okay, just go in the room, fill out the forms and, I was kind of nice. I didn't know what to put for value. All these questions that people are asking me, it's like, well, what do you put for the value? And I'm like, I don't really know what to do. And I think the guy's name was Nick that came down. And he came down and I showed him what I had. And he was like, whoa, this is exciting. Like, next thing you know, another couple guys came in. And so they said, yeah, same day service. And I forget, it was 25 thousand bucks to grade same day what i was getting done i was just sitting in the office going it is what it is i guess we gotta we gotta pay this so i sat there and i was waiting and there just by myself i was watching the amount of people that were coming through the door like in these little waiting rooms just dropping off in person and it was coins and and cards and it, it was a lot of stuff so then i'm, I'm sitting there and I, the guy his name eludes me right now but He's the, he was on Pawn Stars a bunch of times. They're, they work with he works with Memory Lane. Um, he showed up and we got talking. And it was it was kind of uh, he took me under his wing a little bit and said, "Look, I'll come back later on. You can come over to our shop and hang out." So when I I left there because they told me the cards were going to be back around, I think it was like three o'clock, and so it this was ten in the morning. So I'm like, "What am I going to do?" So the girls at the front desk were like, "Why don't you go to Disneyland?" I was like, "Disneyland? I never even." 
thought about it really they're like yeah it's just just across the street down the road and i was like so i went over to disneyland hung out and came back and i picked up my cards and uh it was awesome so it was a great experience and then i left there i went by train down to carlsbad because i called diane i told her i was in diane from upper deck i said i'm in california and she's like why don't you come by and visit us i'll give you a tour of our upper deck offices so I took the train down to Carlsbad and and uh, Tuesday morning I did a little tour of Upper Deck and she was so kind as she always is and uh, then I flew out that night back to Austin, Texas. So the journey continued with my little bag of cards. <laughs> <laughs> okay, man, that's, that's awesome stuff. So listen, we are we're getting lots of comments, lots of questions. Uh, people are wondering about how do you submit to PSA Canada? What are the rates? The rates have changed. The, the, ter- the tiers of service now. So I think we should get into some of that. Yep. I think a lot of people want to hear about that stuff as well. So, you know, there's a bunch of, of course, again, lots of comments and questions. So I thank everybody for your comments and your questions. I do see most of them, but there, there's a lot. So I will obviously miss some of them, but let's get into it. So uh, let's talk about the tiers of service. You know, we're all used to the, the, the 10 day, the 20 day, the 45 day, this and that, which have obviously those those names of service tiers have been kind of uh, they're kind of comical now because you know now a forty five or forty five day is now six months and a twenty day is three months and this and this and that. Can you tell us what? Because here's the thing that I think some people don't understand and some people in the audience tonight just don't understand or aren't aware that you put out a new uh, a new rate schedule today to your to your uh, customer list. And the rates are higher than they were before. But these are simply rates that are that are reflective of the rates that you are offered as the as a preferred uh, submitter and as the preferred Canadian submitter. You have your rates. You have to mark those up so that you can earn a profit for your time because everyone deserves to make money for their time and and pass that along to the consumer. So why don't you explain to everybody kind of what what is different between, say, January's rates and previous and the new February rates that you just published today? Yeah, so when I, I guess to start, when, I, when you look back at 2020 and there was a rate that PSA Canada had for years, and this was right up until November. And the rate that he, most of the higher end cards, the rates have stayed the same. There's not much of a change there. But the lower end cards, it was anything under with a value under $99 was $10 US plus your taxes and shipping. And it was just a dream service that Len offered. And um, now that that all those things have attributed to the backlog and everything else that PSA had, just the sheer volume of it. So when you look now, the rates that they're coming out with, they're trying to Again, this is my opinion on it after ta- talking back and forth with P- PSA is they're trying to figure out a way to deal with all their all their backlog and still give service to customers. So now our rates that we released today is only for the month of February. We were hoping to have something for 2021 back in November to release for the year. But I understand the situation back. I won't repeat myself but with everything that they're dealing with at PSA, they, they've got a plan and that plan will be launched. And I think it will probably be in the middle of February from what I gather. So they were fortunate. We were able to do a January submission. We're doing a February submission. We have a three-tiered system. 
we want to operate as transparent as we possibly can. I can't, I can't say we have a 45 day service. That's a nine month service. Like it's just, it's ridiculous. And it's frustrating for me too. When you go online and you see all these things and, you know, the last thing I ever want to do is create a conflict, but it makes, it makes the customer and the person that loves this hobby very confused when they see all this stuff out there. And I know it's not true. And even some people, some people may blatantly know it's not true, but some people might not know either. You know, there's nothing that says, hey, I'm going to ship my cards in myself to PSA. Well, you know what? Those cards are going to come back in a year. If you're lucky, it might be a year and a half. Could be two years. Like, there, like there's that huge backlog of volume. So we have, we're fortunate now to have in February, we have tier one, which is a 20 business day turnaround, which is guaranteed. And the only thing we say guaranteed with that, COVID is still in play. If it's 25 days, that could be, it could be an extra week here or there, but more or less it's a 20 business day guarantee. So we just shipped in this week, our January submission. That will be back the middle of February, give or take a week. And we'll have that distributed back to our customers. The day it comes back, Len usually gets it out within 24 hours, all the packages are gone. So we want to streamline that. And he's done a really good job at making sure the customers get their product back as fast as they possibly can. Obviously, with November's order being, you know, 50, 60, 70,000 cards, whatever it was, the sheer volume of that and, the, you know, the dynamics of having one person take all these submissions, box them, they come in different waves. Like every day, 12 large boxes just show up. You got to sort them. You got to make sure. And it's the responsibility of you have a lot of other people's money, right? It's a, it, I, I'm amazed how smooth Len rolls with that because mm-hmm. my short little experience, it's kind of like, hey, you know what? This is a stressful situation, right? But I guess he said, ah, it's 21 years. It's not, it's nothing. We got it handled. <laughs> I just was like, oh, awesome. Very positive about it. So we have that service level now and PSA offered it, but we don't know if we're going to have that in March. We're not sure. Um, the second tier we have is we, we called it a five to six months because PSA roughly right now they're running at the, at that service level for the preferred submitters in the U.S. Some of them are still calling it two or three months. A lot of guys have switched it now. They've said, look, this is our this is our fast service, but it's running four to five months. So we're going to call it a five to six months, but there's no guarantee on that service. We've never offered that before. Lens never offered that before. PSA Canada has never offered that before, but we're going to give it a whirl. And the price is significantly less than the 20-day service. The other service that we have, which is which we're super happy to have, is the Tier 3 service, which is a nine-month guarantee. So PSA has guaranteed our cards for bulk submissions will be returned in nine months. I, the number sounds when you first tell people like, what, nine months? Are you serious? Like you go back to November, the rates were $10 a card for cards, $99 and under, and you were getting them back in 20 business days. All of a sudden you flip to February, 2021 and we're going, well, the rates are close. They went up to 12, 15 and 20 depends on what the card is for under 99, but it's not 20 days, it's nine months. But as I ex- I kind of explain to people, I'm like, you know, it depends on what you're in this for. The price is reflective. You know, you can send in a vintage card for $12 US now. So it's $12 US, you get it back in nine months. 
if you send in 50 cards, 10 cards, 100 cards, once you get rolling in the nine-month cycle, if we're able to keep that going in March, which I'm hoping we are, you got cards coming back every month and things are rolling, especially some of the vintage guys out there. And, you know, these vintage guys are the guys that have been with Len for the 21 years. They submit the 51 parkies. They submit the 52 tops hide. They, they send in all these cards. So they're a big part of the PSA Canada's business. A lot of the newer guys that are in are like, we want our cards back now immediately. And it's volume, it's volume, it's volume. But looking back at what Len has built, the roots were vintage guys, right? That's who started this grading. It was, no one was grading new cards. Everyone was grading their vintage. So we still have a lot of those customers. I think it was three or 4,000 vintage cards that were sent in in November, um, which is a huge part of it. So, so we're able to accommodate them. So when we say that, if you want to submit through PSA Canada, if you feel comfortable and if you, you like the whole procedure, we have a nine month guarantee. So that's, a, again, it is long, but it's, it's comforting to know that we do have that in play. Yeah. So one of the, one of the parts of these, uh, these tiered systems, these tiered pricing systems that, that PSA has been running with for a while now is that you are charged more as you send in a more valuable card. So the more expensive, the more you value your, your card at, and you're, I think you're encouraged to value it at, at the insurance amount you want on it. So the insured amount, whatever that may be. And I think it's sort of up to you as a submitter to almost guess what the grade will end up being so that you can submit it in the right tier of service. Is Am I right? Is that sort of how, how picking the value works and picking the the price point within one of these uh, services works. Be, be, and I ask because I've done, I've done it myself several times and I find I'm, I'm guessing on the value. Well, if it's a nine, it might be worth 500, but if it's a 10, it might be worth 5,000. Mm -hmm. I'm always going to pick the nine because it'll be cheaper to grade and hope for the 10. But does that then incentivize the grading company to give me a nine and not that 10 on the card? That's always sort of been in the back of my mind. What, what do you, you're, you're more experienced in grade at grading than I am. Can you speak to that? Yeah, so you're, you're protected. So, I mean, it kind of works a little bit the opposite of what you might think. So if you send in a card that, you know, you put down the value of $400, $400 you pay at the service level $499 and under, it comes back at 10 and it's worth $3,000. PSA, they charge you an upgrade fee. So then you'll you'll have to pay the fee on a three thousand dollar card. So it's they kind of got incentive to give. If you wanted to look at it that way, well, they can give out higher grades. They make more money. Obviously, they grade the cards. The grader that's grading it has no idea where they're coming from. It's an eight step process, and I'm just learning about it more and more. But eight steps from when your card gets received, it goes through, and you can watch it online, and it's very cool to see how many how many different steps there is so yeah so you try the other thing that i've been relaying to people when they ask me what what is you know your question what is the value that you should put down and i said look i don't want to make anyone scared because i always go back to the 21 years no packages have been lost no cards have been lost by land like it, it's pretty remarkable when you think of that but something could happen you know, and you got to tell people, I just want to be as transparent as possible. You know, I, I'd never want to jinx anything, but the, the FedEx plane could go down and, 
you know, the packages could get lost. Anything's, anything's possible to happen. So when you're put submitting your card, put down the proper value that if something happened to it, that's what you're insured for. So if you have a card and you think it's $400 and you want to squeeze it in to save that 20 bucks, I get it. But if something does happen, the value that you put on that card is the value you're going to get back. So you can play the game both ways. So one of our jobs, the more I've been talking with PSA is a lot of companies out there and I've been guilty of the same thing. It's putting the value down to, oh, I can squeeze that in for the under 99 at 10 bucks. I don't want to pay 20 for it. We've all done that, you know, and that is part of the game. So PSA, the more I talk with them is said, you know, Brad, like we really want the submissions looked over because on their end, they have a whole staff now that has to go through. Like it's like, I, I'm, from what I understand, it's a division that all of a sudden the cards are graded. They got to go in to see the market values and see it. It's a lot of work for them. This creates more time, which is creates more of a backlog. So us as preferred submitters, they want us to really try to do our homework. You know, I had one submission that came through here and the guy, it was a Gretzky rookie and he had it down. I think he had $600 on it and it was beautiful. And I was just like, so I sent them an email and I said, look, I understand, but you know, now that I've received that card, I've kind of had a look at it and it's really nice. And he was like, yeah, it is. eh?" And I was like, I don't know. It could come back altered, trimmed. I'm not grading the card, but you got to move it up to the, at least to the thousand to $2,500 level. I think we, we talked about it, Jeremy. We There was a Gretzky rookie that just sold on eBay, I think, I don't know if it was two weeks ago, but it was half half a Gretzky rookie card. Like the top was completely cut off. Did you see that? I did, yeah. For $500 or $600 or whatever it was. So when people ask me what, I'm like, pretty much a mangled Gretzky rookie is 1000 bucks now. Yeah. So you, you kind of got to go with that, right? So, yeah. yeah. For sure. For sure. So it's interesting because they'll upcharge you if you undervalue your card. Will they downcharge you if it does come back as trimmed or authentic or not authentic or something like that? No. So that's, that is part of the thing as well. So yeah, there's no refund. If you put the card through at 10,000, it comes back altered. That's uh, that's on you. That's now, on, that's on you. <laughs> there's been a lot of cards that come back min size. Yeah. It's a very confusing thing when you try to tell someone this. They're not saying when it's min size, a lot of people think it might be trimmed. It could be altered. I'm like, no, that it's just does not meet the minimum size requirements. And it's frustrating because you're like, this card looks beautiful. and Or, or you're like, I pulled it from a pack myself. Absolutely. In, in right. 1985. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So, but when you when that does happen, you don't get charged. What happens if you, and this is a, car, a question we had here from uh, Cards, Guns, and Collectibles. This is already 20 minutes ago, but he says, do they do they upcharge you for the increases in values on your cards while they're sitting there in their backlog? Do you know what? I got asked that question today. I never, I never even thought about it before, but someone said about the nine-month service, they're like, well, what if it was an $80 card and now it's 1000 I was like, very good question. I don't know the answer to that. I'm assuming if... My assumption would be at the time it's graded because they have a computer system. They have a division that looks at it. If it's worth, if it's worth $2,000 and it was worth 80, I mean, that's a big, big gap, but it's in today's market. Who knows that could happen. The only thing I ever said is 
Len always jokes around with me when I was submitting. I, you know, I submit 500 to 1,000 cards prior to me being with PSA Canada, 500 to 1,000 cards a month for years and years. And we always joked about the upgrade charges. So Len would call or he'd send me an email. He'd be like, upgrade. And I would just go, awesome. Charge my card as fast as you can. Like it's kind of, it's that catch 22 and you can play that game with yourself if you want, but Hey, you know, I just had a Gretzky rookie. It was actually my uncle sent it in. Who's been a, who's been a partner with me and a lifelong collector who has one of the most amazing collections of cards you could ever see. He said, I finally got him into grading about three or four months ago and he sent in a Gretzky and uh, it came back. I get an email from Len. It was like Len's time five in the morning I read the email, I'm lying in bed, and I'm like, oh, my God, I got a, I finally, I've never submitted a Gretzky rookie and got an eight. I have a seven in my collection that I bought in 1989, and I got graded. I still think it looks perfect, but it came back a seven. So all of a sudden, I'm like, I got an eight. I'm jumped out of bed. I woke up, Sherry, and I'm just like, it's just a great day. I finally got a PSA eight. So yeah. I just that. Sorry, man. I was just saying, upcharges, they they do have that. They're, they're, they're kind of, it's like, it's a love-hate relationship, right? It's like, oh, I got to spend more money to get my card back, but my card's going to come back being worth a lot more money. But one of the other things I've thought about, and I'm sure people in the audience have too, is that, you know, building on that last question, if they're sitting on your card in backlog for however many months, the value goes up, they're going to upcharge you. We don't know. Value could come down by the time they get the the card gets back to you. That's gonna that's gonna cause some people some grief. I would have to think, but we don't. I mean, I think it's just it is what it is. You know, it's kind of one of those buyer beware things. Be careful when you're submitting your cards and submit them under the service level that you are going to be able to stomach any volatility that may exist between submission and ultimate receipt of your cards back graded. Yeah, and you're right, Jeremy. And the other thing too is when you really look at it, though. Like it's it's going to be a very rare instance because those long tiers, the nine month, the nine month turnaround, it's card value ninety nine dollars and under. As we all know in today's market, there's not too much that what there could be some cards that would go up to two thousand dollars, but if you have a valuable card that's really going to increase, like if you had a Prism rookie and they're going to take, you're cementing them at the the twenty day turnaround. Or you're submitting them at the the three to four to five to six month turnaround. So, again, it is something to think about. And I'm going to ask those. I love getting questions that I don't have a clue the answer. I'm new to this. I'm learning. And I love getting the feedback from everybody to say, okay, perfect. So I write that on my list. That's a question I'm going to ask PSA. And we can share that in our – we're going to be doing a biweekly email that's going to come out. And I'm going to try to answer as many questions as I can. So – Okay, good. All right, let's talk a bit more because there's a lot of conversation in the chat about the the different the different prices for the different uh, value. So Wayne Fraser says, you know, I I don't understand how charging by the value of the card is ethical. Is that value established before grading? So we've we've established that the value is established before grading. But the comment that uh, you know I don't understand how it's or I don't get how it's ethical. Uh, Sean Johnson says, you know, has ethics ever been foremost concern for companies making money? Well, I think companies, you know, some companies do, many companies do have ethics. Uh, that goes without saying. Uh, but there is a comment down here by Sean as well saying, more realistically, people that make a fortune on cards because of PSA's reputation, why wouldn't they believe they have a stake in that? And 
to me, I un- I understand that if you're going to send in a card of value and it's going to be it's going to come back worth a lot more money because it's un- it's got the PSA brand associated with it. If I own that PSA brand, if I own that intellectual property, I'm going to want a stake in that additional value because if you send it to me and I'm going to charge you 10 bucks across the board for any card, but you're going to go turn a $500 card into a $50,000 card because of my name, my brand, I'm going to want a slight commission on that. And I think it only makes sense and is fair. And, you know, I guess it's not a matter of ethics. It's a matter of business model and it's a matter of, of brand value and branding is, is expensive to develop. Mm-hmm. And it's something that companies take pride in as they should. And obviously the hobby assigns a high value to certain brands, PSA probably being the biggest of all in terms of the the value that their brand lends to the cards that we are sending in. So I don't have a problem with that. I don't think there, I, I don't think it's an ethical issue whatsoever. I think the, I think it could also actually be a reverse. Like, why do you, like, why should you be able to get a, get such a value increase? Because for, for, for a low amount of money, if you just want to get your card graded, you can send them away to a grading company that doesn't have much of a brand. And there are several of those out there that you can, you know, if you just want to get your card graded, but if you want to use the Cadillac of grading companies, you have to pay to get their brand associated with your card. That's, that's my personal uh, view on, on it. What, what do you think of that? You know what, honestly, Jeremy, you, I 100% agree with everything you said. You some hey, All right, so next. No, yeah. just, go on. Honestly, I, you, it's exact. What I would say is exactly what you just said. Yeah, Sean, Sean Johnson, make, if you don't want to profit from their reputation, you're not obliged to submit to them. Like, that's bang on. That's exactly it. If you, you know, you can complain about their pricing, but maybe find something more constructive to do with your time than complain about their pricing. If you don't like the pricing, Canada has two grading companies of their own, MNT and KSA. But if you're going to use them, your card values are going to pale in comparison to if they're under the PSA uh, brand is my opinion and what I what I see on the secondary market. So I think that's interesting. Sean says, I missed the first 20. If PSA doesn't have a grading office in Canada, what is the purpose of it? Well, so it's not a corporate office, Sean. You guys are simply a submission center. Is that is that fair? Absolutely. 100 percent. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, he says the upcharge after you sub the cards months later is not right. Well, that's, that's your opinion, I, I suppose. No, uh, that, that, and, and it's a, it's, it's a fair opinion. I, I can't, I wouldn't criticize the opinion, but really, I mean, you're actually lucky your cards were in backlog for, you know, to a degree, if you would have gotten back earlier, you may have sold them faster. If you are in that, if that's your, your angle, and now you're going to leave money on the table. I, I can tell you for a fact that the backlogs at PSA, BGS, and wherever else have actually helped people save money, if not make more money than they otherwise would have. So in a way, in a way, these, these backlogs have been a bit of a blessing for a lot of people. Um, let's see. Uh, well, Sean says here, is it, Sean's got some good stuff. Is it ethical for PSA to be taking expedited orders when they're already so absurdly backlogged? I think that's a fair question. I don't think it's an unfair question, Sean. Is it fair? Well, I don't know that that you know you're asking our you're asking for Brad's opinion. Maybe you know I'm going to chime in with my opinion if I feel like it. But really, these are opinion questions, and uh, I think it's more of more or less something we just have to under we just have to accept whether you're going to accept and use the service or accept and not use the service. But you just have to kind of accept that that's the way it is. 
Um, what, what are your thoughts on that, though, Brad, in terms of, you know, expedited orders that pay more leapfrogging over some of the, the backlog? Yeah, no, honestly, I think Sean has had great questions. Um, and I think that's why we're in this position now with PSA. They, they've put a lot of thought, a lot of work. They're figuring this out and they're going to come out with a plan. And it could be, I've been using the phrase a lot lately where it's, you know, sh- short term pain is going to create long term gain. We have to kind of work under their system. They might not. I, I don't know. I, I, I They might not take submissions in bulk orders for March from us, from anybody. They may not take them for a month. Maybe they won't take them for six months. I don't know. But all I know is that the efforts that they're putting in now to deal with this backlog issue and, and no one can say, you know, you're running any business out there where all of a sudden, okay, you've got the capabilities to grade. If it's 10,000 cards a day, you have the staff in place. All of a sudden you got, oh, we got 20,000 cards today. Okay, well, we can only do 10 and it just kind of starts. But then you hit this tidal wave, which happens in June, July, August, where, and it's not just the sports cards, it's the gaming cards as well. Like the Pokemon craze, the Yu-Gi-Oh!, um, Fortnite now, like all these things that are coming out and all of a sudden you're just going, orders are coming in, coming in, coming in. So that's why I'm confident. Again, it's going to be a slow process, but I think by the end, this is just my personal opinion as a collector, as a submitter, even if I don't have my PSA Canada hat on, I think by the end of 2021, they're going to have this figured out. Uh, they're they're hiring graders. They're looking to hire graders. I mean, as soon as you go on PSA's website, the first thing that splashes in your face, we are hiring. You know, they expanded their offices. So I, I think they are. And, and Sean, it's a good question about that, about expediate orders. But it's something that I know the there's an awful lot of people out there that have high value cards. And I've seen it in January that they want to get their cards in. They have a lot of money tied up. Not saying anything about the, you know, about the bulk submissions, but... I think it's very important that PSA, even if they, I'm hoping our tier one service with the $50 per card under $1,000, and that's what's going to be right across North America and the world. I hope they keep that going. So all of a sudden, guys that, you know, they might have, they pick up a Mantle or they pick up a Gretzky or they pick up a DiMaggio, they have the ability to get that card in and get it graded so it can get to marketplace. There's a whole other side of things out there that, you know, someone just pays $20,000 for a LeBron card. And you know what? They want to get that card in. They want to see what it's going to do. And it's it's big dollars out there. So no, it's bigger than ever right now. It is. Uh, and, you know, there's there's been a lot of talk about uh, just the state of the market, the state of values of cards lately and hockey. You know, obviously we're in Canada. A lot of the viewers are from Canada tonight. And, uh, you know, it's when's hockey gonna gonna see some of these gains and we all it's almost like be careful what you wish for because while we all want to see the values go up if we're now submitting these cards for grading it's going to cost us a lot more than it would have before so you know if you're gonna if you're gonna wish for that be prepared to pay for it when you send in your cards for grading too uh question about the guarantee here from david kaplan he says what does that what does the guarantee actually guarantee i think he's talking about the guarantee that you mentioned the word guarantee probably 10 15 minutes ago in terms of turnaround time yeah. and then he I, I think he's kind of kidding do you get your money back if your order is delayed because obviously that wouldn't be the case but can you speak to the guarantee 
Yeah, so we do have that in place. Um, obviously, for November, with COVID and them going down to their workforce shrunk to, I think, 25% at one point, um, there is things out there that can affect the guarantee. I know our submission now that we sent in in January, that will be back in 20 business days from when they receive it. So we're actually going to change the name going forward because, again, we want full transparency. But everyone has been known it's been for, I don't know if it's been 10, 15, 20 years, it's been a 20 business day guarantee that Len has offered. So we kind of didn't want to change that name for a lot of the old school people out there. They just wanted that, you know, it's about a month. So, the, yeah, there is no refund if it doesn't come back, unfortunately. But it's really, realistically, it's a, it's five, six weeks turnaround time by the time you get the cards back. But, yeah, so I'm confident, again, barring any COVID-related or any other catastrophes, our submission will be back between February 15th and February 22nd. We'll get the cards right back to people as fast as we can. All right, cool, cool. So another question that's come up a few times is how do we get a hold of you? And uh, CEDB, uh, this is this is these are my thoughts exactly. Does PSA Canada have an online presence? I can't find anything. Need some SEO work, and this speaks back to my perception of PSA Canada from 15 to 21 years ago uh, up until yesterday or the day before. Is that I didn't even really know it existed. I saw, I, I've seen it on the inside cover of the Expo magazine that comes out, but again, wasn't sure what it was. I knew it wasn't a grading office. So I was like, oh, I'll just take my cards to the national and submit in person. So I think there's been a lack of awareness in our, in our, in Canada, in the, in the hobby that there's even this option. Now you've known about it. So to you, you, you probably haven't had that perception, but how do people, the question has come up also, how do people submit to you? How do they go get a hold of you? Yeah. You know, we, we joke around, especially out here on the East Coast, that Len was our best kept secret. It was awesome. You know, a few people knew about it at West. Different people did. Most people did. And then Len controlled the business. You know, Len's a very successful guy. You know, he controlled the workload. He didn't want to put out the to get to this whole level that wasn't his vision with it it was to offer a service that he enjoyed and so forth but it's um so now i guess you could say part of my job is let's market this thing let's see where it goes let's see how we can expand psa currently is building a website directly for psa canada which we're hoping, we were hoping to have it a couple of weeks ago to start, but we didn't even know if we were going to be able to submit in February. There's a thousand other things going on at PSA's headquarters right now. And then with the ownership group, like I think that's pushed, Jeremy, we talked now. It was supposed to close on the 19th. Now it's February 3rd, I believe. Um, there's lots of things happening there. So I, I think in the next two or three weeks, our PSA Canada's website will be up, operational and fully functioning. So then we will we'll start with the social media, we'll put it out, and then you go to PSA or PSACard.com, you fill out the application, you'll be redirected, if you're in Canada, right to PSA Canada's website for your submission. So, yeah, and I agree, it is. You know, it's a perfect question, and this is what we're going to do for 2021, so. Yeah, for sure. Okay, 
Sounds good. Um, I just want to, you know, this comment, I, I, and I'm sorry if this is old and before we talk about it, but Wayne says, you know, it's not like PSA did more work giving you a 10 rather than a 9. And I, I, again, it's like you can you can go to a really good lawyer if you have a legal issue and get really good service that has really good value, or you can go to a guy who hung a shingle off, uh, hung a shingle out on, on the street corner and maybe not the best neighborhood. You know, and you know the good lawyer is going to cost you a thousand bucks an hour, but you can go to a cheap lawyer for two fifty an hour or one eighty an hour, whatever it is. The level of service is probably going to be the same. You you pay, you have to pay for quality, and and it's not even quality; it's perceived quality. And PSA's brand has a very high perceived quality. I'm not speaking to the quality, just the perceived quality. That's what's really important here. So you know, again, yeah, it's not like it takes a way more work. But they're the you're getting a better pro, you're getting a product back that's worth more money than it was when you sent it to them, and they aren't going to let you have it unless you're going to pay for it. So you know, and I don't have an issue with that. Maybe I'm in the minority. I've seen I've seen in the comments some people understand this, some people don't seem to understand it. I don't understand how you I don't understand how you don't understand that because it's like. Does it take that much more work to, to build a Ferrari off an assembly line than it does to build a Corvette or, you know, that may, and I'm not in the car business, so I don't necessarily know how much goes into that, but you know, you're still getting four wheels that are going to take you from A to B, but you're going to pay a lot more for the better brand. It's like, you can go to, you go in, into a, it's like fashion, right? With Louis Vuitton and, and uh, who makes the, the, the diamonds. Um, can't even think of it right now. But the blue box company, you know, you go into there, you're getting the same diamond from one person or another. You're just going to pay for that experience, right? It's like it's like buying cards. You buy a pet. Does it cost way more money to make a base card that's this thick versus one that's that thick? I don't know. It probably talks a little bit, costs a little bit more money. But is it like a difference between $10 a pack and $500 a pack? Probably not. You're paying for you're paying for branding. You're paying for experience. And I think that's a, that's a big part of it. So if you're still someone who doesn't understand that, you just got to kind of take that leap of faith, accept it and move on with with your with your hobby experience, because you're just going to be wondering forever. And at that point, you just might not have the capacity to understand it. I, I don't know. I'm surprised that some don't get it. I think it's, again, simply, yeah, it's like Sean says, you're not paying for their labor, you're paying for their reputation, but you're actually paying them a commission for what you can eventually sell your card for because it's worth a lot more in their holder than anybody else's. That's kind of, those those are my thoughts. Uh, Colin Murray pop, pipes in here. He says, you know, what happened to me, and I know what happened to him. He had a card that got driven over by a truck or something like that after it was returned or it was shipped back to him. So now he puts the max value because they, he says, I put a ma I put a value of the max now because the value they give you is the SMR value, not the market value. And I mean, SMR, I think is, you know, as out of touch as, as most price guides are these days. So, you know, you probably want to put max. Uh, th that's a good reason to put max value on your card. Although if it doesn't come back with that high grade, you're going to pay more. Yeah. Yeah, no, Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Lots of great costs. Sean's got, I mean, I agree with she, you know, it's based on, it's based on what they can demand these, that they can demand the terms and people will submit to it because it works well for all parties, which yeah, is true. Uh, anonymous user. If the grading process is the same for every card, why does it matter the value of the card? So we just talked about that. Uh, here we go. Ryan O'Hara says PSA's pricing structure is their biggest downfall in my opinion. <laughs> 
That's kind of that's kind of comical because their biggest downfall is they can't hire fast enough. That's their only downfall. So their pricing structure is not a problem. They've actually had to increase pricing to manage their workload by getting rid of that low tier by 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 driving up the price to to grade lower cost cards. They are disincentivizing us as collectors to send those in and now they can turn around the higher value cards faster, which are more worthy of grading. So to me, it, these, are, these are decisions they've had to make and they, they make sense to me as someone who is in business and has consulted on many businesses in my career. I completely understand this, uh, but maybe I'm again in the minority. So let's see what else we have here in the comments because we got lots of activity and I do greatly appreciate it from everybody. Uh, I'm picking Sean's Someone getting a 10 on a valuable card is usually all too happy for PSA to take their cut given what it means for them right I mean it's gonna be hard to argue that otherwise they'll take it out of the holder and send it back to you and you're back back to where you started Paul says they charge you even not grading cards and send them back saying they had no holders thanks to Len for fighting for me always nice that your submitter is going to go to bat for you that's for sure. That's for sure. Joe Perot, welcome, says, great show, great insight. Smash the like button. Yeah, thanks again, everybody, for joining. Hit the like button on the video on YouTube. Greatly appreciate it. It helps this YouTube algorithm, and that's about all I know about the YouTube algorithm is, is that right there. And if you haven't subscribed yet to the channel, please do. Great guests every Saturday night. Behind the Tank says, I can appreciate the idea of wanting to play fair with PSA in their submissions, but there's no incentive to send a higher value card to a more senior grader definitely double-edged sword. Well, you don't get to pick the grader you send your card to, right? And I don't know if that's what Behind the Tanks is getting up. That's how I read it. Um, he may be talking about sending it to a different uh, incentive, send it to a, a, a higher value card to a different grading company. But by senior grader, I think graders within the company. You were there. You had that tour, Brad. I've actually been fortunate enough to have a tour of PSA's facilities myself back in 2009 in that same really anonymous looking building you drive up to it you have you'd have no clue that that's where psa collectors universe is it, it's very non-discreet or discreet i guess i should say uh, nondescript you, you have no idea which is a really we should feel good about that from a security perspective um and as far as the as far as their uh their process and you mentioned the eight-step process when i was there i got to see a grading room i got to see all this and it, be, it was clear to me at that time, even though this is already 11, 12 years ago, it was clear to me that there's there's certainly a segregation between intake and processing and grading and then slabbing and then quality control and then shipping. I don't know how many I just named there, but several of the eight, I guess. Now, maybe there's a value a valuation department as well. So. Uh, but it was, these things were were very segregated from each other. And I was happy to see that because it made me feel like there was less potential for special treatment for certain submitters, you know? So, yeah. and I know that's been something that people have always kind of speculated on with grading is that, is that kind of thing. So, um, okay. Lots of great comments here, everybody. I'm just going to find uh, the one that I had seen before and I want to get back to it. I'm not finding it right away. So, Let's talk a little bit then, uh, Brad, about, you know, you've talked about it a bit, but I want you to talk about scaling the business. Like, first of all, you have your pricing for February. Mm -hmm. A lot of stuff going on at PSA right now. You're, you're excited and expecting 
pricing for March and beyond. It may be one month at a time. We'll see. But as soon as the new ownership get no new ownership takes over, starts to you know push their push their leadership down throughout the the chain of of, of the company. Um, you know, I, I wonder, and I hope that it, they're going to give you some stability and really some some certainty. Assuming you get that, you know, you talked about growing. Do you have any strategies that that you want to implement? Yeah, and I guess it comes down to them making that decision to give us some stability. You know, when I committed, we've already started. We've committed to, you know, Len ran this office out of his, ran the operation out of his house. And it's now we've invested. We have a, we have an office in a secure location. We have staff lined up to start as soon as the submissions start coming in. And those staff are longtime the guys that we have in place are longtime collectors. They know cards inside out. So we want to make it, you know, obviously we can't have it as secure as PSA's headquarters, but we want to make it the exact same way. So people feel very comfortable. All of the people that I've talked to, you know, they no one's had any, anyone that's dealt with Len, they don't have any doubts with the service. They're not worried. You know, I get the question over and over. Oh, what if I send in my Connor McDavid young gun? Is there a chance it could get mixed up with another Connor? Mc but there's systems in place. When the cards come in, they stay with that card. Their, their card comes with the submission report. It stays. It's boxed with that. It goes to the grading company. It comes back. You know, it's it's a kind of a foolproof system from getting cards mixed up. So when I look at the whole operation now, I just see PSA Canada growing, growing, growing. And this is why I've stepped away. You know, well, COVID kind of forced me to step away from a lot of my operations <laughs> due to the sector that I was in. But I'm putting everything I have into PSA Canada going forward. And this isn't a short-term play. And that's why I'm comfortable to keep on working with them, be as transparent as we can, because I want to grow this thing. I want to grow this to, you know, I don't know, is it 100,000 cards a month? Is it 200,000 cards a month? I've done all my research and I've looked online and I, a lot of guys post, you know, the there's PC sports cards. So I don't know the guys. They, they seems like they have a great operation running They're They're transparent. They're saying they're putting it out, but they put, yeah, we sent 20,000 cards. We sent 30,000 cards. We sent, there's a KK Sports out of Florida that I noticed they have a big online presence. Everyone's boasting about the volume that they do. And again, I get that because that gives more credibility. Once people see, oh, geez, yeah, they're getting 30,000 cards every month. Well, yeah, you know what? I'm okay. I'm comfortable to send that. But yeah, I look at the volume that Len send in. And this is, again, not from PSA, but my assumption is PSA Canada is one of the top submitters in the world to PSA. I can't see any other way by the volumes that are out there and the quality of cards that are going in. It's, you know, there's, as you know, Jeremy, there's a lot of collectors in Canada. Sometimes we are overshadowed in some people's eyes from south of the border, but we know it up here. There's a lot of money. There's a lot of collectors. There's a lot of investors. And I see as I get myself out there and I align myself with even more people that I'm just meeting in the hobby, I want to align myself with the right people so we can build this thing up. So no one has any questions. No one has anything. They want to submit their cards to PSA Canada. They're comfortable about it. They know they're protected. They know we're going to be transparent. We're not going to call our service 20 days and you get it back in nine months. We call it 20 days. Maybe it takes a month and a half. Some things in life happen. 
but we're going to be as transparent as we can. And I see this thing growing and growing and growing. So this yeah. is my career now. I've, I've, this is pivoted. what I'm going to do. <laughs> pivoted. Yeah. You know, after we started talking and I invited you on the show, I've talked, I've only, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to make you uncomfortable. I've heard great things about you as a business person and just as a stand-up guy. So I have all the faith in you, uh, you know, kind of at the helm. Uh, not that I didn't have faith in, in, in Len Potty. I just never dealt with him. I bought cards from him at shows before, but I've never, uh, I've never dealt with him as far as PSA goes. Here's kind of a, a different topic question. Hockey Hockey says, uh, Brad, there is someone on social media claiming they are a preferred Pokemon submitter for PSA Canada. Do you refer to anyone as the preferred Pokemon submitter? You know what, this all kind of happened and I get a lot of questions about this today. And there is guys that I'm trying to relay the message out there. There has been people that have submitted a lot of cards over the years and especially in 2020. So our pricing is dictated by PSA. We don't control the price that we can get out. So and I know you mentioned it early, Jeremy, PSA gives us a price, we mark it up. PSA dictates what the price is we charge. We don't have any say over that. So they're very stringent. And I think it's, again, these are just my assumptions that I'm making. I think over the years, as any company, you know, that started small, you'd have old school, you'd have deals for these guys. I'm sure, you know, if Joe Orlando had deals with guys when he started the company to come in that kind of got grandfathered through. There's handshake deals, there's different things. So when you have all these different deals out there, it makes it very confusing for the customer, but I get it at the same time. So I think in 2021, what this delay is, again, these are my assumptions. The delay is they're going to put out a standard pricing across the board. Then they're going to have their preferred submitters, which PSA Canada is fortunate enough to be part of. And then we also have our same thing. And, and you know, before I joined with Len, I used to say, well, Len, we're buddies. And if I'm giving you a box of a thousand cards and John from down the street brings you up one card. We pay the same price. And then was all like, yeah, that's just the way it is. So we, we are dealing with that now with guys that, you know, submit it five, 6,000 cards every month. And we're trying to figure out a way that how can we help them guys out? So there is guys that, you know, I know the gentleman, I just met the gentleman in December, just via telephone that you're, is a, he asked if I, he could be called a preferred Pokemon submitter. And I'm like, well, you're a huge submitter to PSA Canada. I appreciate everything you do for PSA Canada. I'm just learning. I don't know you. Um, but at the same time, you're a great customer with Len. So I, I guess you are a preferred customer because your volume is, is very, very significant. So I'm trying to figure out ways that we can give these guys a little bit of edge because I also don't want to have... 5,000 packages coming in two weeks time. So by having these, if we preferred, or we have great customers and clients out there, if people send their, if they got 10 cards, you know what, send it to these guys that have been operating. You know, we've got a guy in Alberta, we got guys in Ontario, we got guys in New Brunswick, we got guys in Quebec that people send their cards into. They prepare the package. The package comes to us. It's perfectly, it's in order, it's exactly how PSA wants it. So all of a sudden, if I can deal with that one package instead of dealing with 200 packages, it's great for us. Yeah. So we do have guys out there that have been great customers of PSA Canada. So 
again, are they preferred? They're great customers. So I guess preferred's a word that they can use if that's what they like. Absolutely. It's up, it's up to them for their own branding at that point. Uh, Freaky Y says, uh, Brad, just want to clarify from earlier. Did you say that we do not get charged for cards that are not graded because of min min size requirement? I think you said the opposite. You said, you, no, you still get charged for cards that, that they won't slab for you. No, correct. You you do not get charged for cards that do not meet. If they come back min size, you do not get charged for those cards. So if they're, this is back to some. Len will want me to. Len will want me to talk about this. So back to the process. If you have any cards, if anyone out there has cards that were min size, reach out to myself or Len. If you did, because you pay upfront, reach out to us if you didn't get a refund, and in no way. It's just the sheer volume of it. So if you get a refund of $10 on a min size card, Len will get an email from PSA and it'll be a, it will be a refund to him for $10 and he just gets the sub number and it's a lot of work. So if someone doesn't reach out, he tries his best to make sure he gets these refunds. But if you have one, let myself know, let Len know if you didn't receive it. And again, no neglect, whatever, just the sheer volume of it. So you do not get charged if it doesn't meet the min size. Right, okay. Oscar Dad says, if everyone stops sending base cards to be graded, then they wouldn't get stuck at PSA, at PSA as long, so less time to be upcharged. There was a comment a little bit earlier here uh, by Cards, Guns, and Collectibles. It says, the upcharge is a money grab. I mean, it, it, it's value for brand grab is what it is. And uh, again, you know, the, the, these companies are in business to make a profit. They're not in. They're not charitable organizations. They're not not for profits. You, you have other options if you if, if that's kind of where you're at. But um, yeah, and anyway. I think I mean that's a PSA question too. You know, you can kind of direct that to them. From our standpoint, if there's an upcharge, it's just an it's a step for PSA Canada to deal with. It's not. We don't get paid any extra money from that, but we have to facilitate the transaction. So then we get an upcharge, we have to go to the customer, we have to collect the money. There's there's zero dollars for PSA Canada when it comes to that. So on our end, but that's a PSA question. So yeah, for sure, for sure. Um okay. So anything, is there anything else? I'm gonna scan the comments for anything else that I want to bring on and 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 address uh with you. Is there anything else? That, that you want to talk about when it comes to your uh, your involvement or your plans for PSA Canada and anything that uh, you think is interesting that we haven't touched on yet? Yeah, and you know, I, I think if everyone keeps on going the way they're going and and providing me with as much, and um, emails is the best way to go. I did send out my phone number. My I made a mistake in December. I want everyone, I want to be reachable all the time, but I sent out an email to our 880 people on our database at that time. Right now it's up to about 13 or 1400. And I ended it with saying, I'm available anytime for anybody that has a question. A little bit of a mistake on my part, but I'm trying to get back to everyone. So email is the best, but I want all your feedback, the good, bad, the ugly, because knowledge is gonna give me power when I talk with PSA. I wanna know about the service levels and, and guys have been great. I mean, I even sent out an email this morning and I never even thought about it. It was just one little mistake that I made on it. I didn't put if it was uh, U.S. dollars. So we were sending this email out to 1,400 people tonight with our PSA Canada price list. I just assumed everyone would know it was U.S. dollars, but I almost sent it out. And thank God, one of our 
one of our preferred customers, just a great all around guy. So like sent me a text message. He's like, Hey, right. He goes, I think some people might not know. And I was like, Oh God, he goes, I just saved you about a thousand emails. And I was like, Thank you so much. <laughs> so. Yeah, you got you definitely got to be clear when you're doing business in Canada, where people assume you're talking Canadian dollars. If you're not, you have to be very clear on that. Otherwise, you're just asking for for problems there for sure. Uh, Kickdown says, uh, I guess says to me, I'm saying it, an upholsterer should charge more to upholster a leather seat depending on what car the seat goes into. No Kickdown, you completely didn't understand what I was saying. I, but what I will say is that if you want to hire an upholsterer who's gonna who has a great reputation of doing a great job and quality work, yeah, you should probably pay them more than you're gonna pay somebody who doesn't have a good reputation of doing great work. That that that's what I was saying before. I'm surprised you didn't pick up on that though. Uh, the comeback card investor Brad, who will be joining me on this channel a little bit later on tonight during my after hours show, says I agree with you, Jeremy and Brad are saying regarding PSA surcharge or surcharges, but it's also a slippery slope that only gets reversed with solid competition. But PSA is number one by far right now. Yeah, definitely agree agree with that. Uh, the slippery slope is tough. A lot of people don't, don't like the business model, yet they want their cards in those holders. So that's just where you got to decide what's right for you, I, I would have to say. And solid competition has been something that, you know, especially in 2020, it's been difficult for all the grading companies to to really behave as solid competitors it's just been it's been tough it's been tough to to have graders and to even find graders so to to hire them and train them and all that so uh yeah wayne says i see what you're saying i'm looking at it from a different angle and disagree i won't waste everyone's time here fair fair uh tell that to vegas dave who got the most money out of a bgs trout Jeremy is so far behind in the chat. What a champion. Thanks, Kickdown. I appreciate that compliment very much. No duties when subbing with Len. You pay Nova Scotia HST up front on the subtotal of everything. There was a question before about duties, which we're not tax experts here. So uh, Hockey Hockey says to Brad, well, later on, then he ever thought it would be on YouTube this evening. Looking forward to it. Bobby Burrell says, Brad, hire Jeremy. <laughs> Thanks, Bobby. Bobby's my new agent now, I guess. I appreciate that, Bobby. I'm gainfully employed. I, I will put that out there. Uh, Amit, welcome to the show, says, whatever they say, all East Coasters are PSA 10 folks coming from a new fee here. Very nice. Very nice. I am far, as uh, Kickdown said, I am pretty far back behind on the chat, but that's what happens when you have a ton of viewers on the show and you try to uh, pay attention to the chat, as I always do. Um Oh, let's see what Sean says. I'm just not obsessive about condition as much as I prefer a PSA graded car to a raw car. I think plenty of five to sixes are beautiful in better shape than I would ever demand. That's a great point right there. You know, when you're just buying cards, you know, we don't, you don't always need, I, I'm not going to tell you what you need as a collector or someone in the hobby, but I'm learning for myself. I love cards in high grade, but I'm okay with lower grade cards too. It's, it's sometimes just about owning the card and not worrying about the grade. It's just nice to have cards sometimes. So I agree I agree with that comment, Sean. Uh, Hockey Hockey says, does PSA Canada offer a cleaning service? Brad, this is a great question for you, Brad, because I've seen a lot of submission services that offer cleaning, which on one hand, I'm like, that's pretty cool. I don't have to do it myself, which I've never done anyway. I probably should have, I'd get better grades. But at the same time, I'm scared of it because that means my cards are being handled by a third party. What do you think of that that service that's provided, and is it something you provide? Yeah, we 
we would never provide that service. That's not something, again, I, I love people that know how to, you know, clean cards, you wipe them down, you take your pantyhose to your Opeachy cards, you, you take the wax off, you take the gum off, you do all that stuff. But when we receive a package, we do not touch that card. The last thing in the world we would do, we just, we're the, we're the facilitator of the transaction. The package comes in, we'd submit the sub, the cards go, the cards go back to the customer. So again, I think some people forget about the high value cards that come through as well. Um, you know, there's cards that are 20,000, 100,000. You know, I, I've seen Pokemon cards, which I'm, I'm, I always knew Charizard was the king of the Pokemon cards, but now I'm learning it's Charizard first edition shadowless. Like that, <laughs> that's the mother. So I, you know, we had three or four of those come through this month that are going in for grading, which is the mecca of all Pokemon cards, right? And it, it's exciting when you see this, but absolutely we will not. I personally or anyone that is with me will never touch your card. So. That, and I think that's probably a good position to take right there. A couple of comments, and then we're going to move into the Sports Cards Live 5 and, and card of the day. Uh, Dennis says, we can all complain about price and time and other stuff, but PSA flip, and the flip refers to the label, in the card, if anyone doesn't know, it just really refers to the certificate called the flip for short, I guess. And he says it brings the best value, which is really, you, you can't argue with that. Uh, behind the tanks, I appreciate this clarification about senior graders. I'd rather try to sneak my 33 Opeachy Howie Morens to go to a junior grader at $10 and a senior grader at $2,500. But again, that, that's that's not an option. That's just not how the business works. Uh Behind the tank is a better chance with a high grade with a newbie. Well, uh, that might be the case, but you might have they might be trying to protect their job and not hand out high grades, and it might actually be the opposite. I'm just speculating, but interesting comment, Ryan. I appreciate this response. I get this pricing structure, but holy, does it create a lot of confusion with the new submitters online? That's what my previous critique was in reference to. I appreciate the clarification, and I agree with you. And that's why you know it's it's great to have Brad on tonight to sort of explain the pricing structure. I hope I hope that people, when you were if you were tuned into that part of the program tonight, that you heard that and you were able to understand it. And Brad, where can people go to find the new pricing today? Is there an email address that they can get in touch with you to request your pricing your pricing table, or what? What do you? What can we do? Yeah, so right now it's PSA, PSA grading at gmail.com. Sorry, PSA Canada grading at gmail.com. Um, I'm just going to double check that because we will have new, with the new website, we'll have it at PSA Canada.com. But I'm just going to double check to make sure I got that right. I have it on the screen right now. So let me know if I need to change that. That's it. You nailed it. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Good, good. So there we go. There, there's the there's the email address, everybody, to get it in touch with PSA Canada. If you want to send them some submissions or request their pricing structure, they will definitely uh, respond to you there. Uh, okay. A few final comments, and then we're going to get into the Sports Cards Live 5. Um, okay. Let's just get into it, Brad, because I did, I did prep you with that. So let me grab my sheet here. Pardon me, everybody. Okay. Two seconds here. We're going to take this off now. Everyone saw the email address, PSACanadaGrading at gmail.com. I'll actually, I'll, I'm going to leave that up and we're going to get into what I like to call the Sports Cards Live 5. This is where I'm going to ask Brad 
five questions. They're not necessarily rapid fire, Brad, but I am going to ask you to kind of keep it as, as, as succinct as you can. So question number one, what is the favorite card in your personal collection? I have to go with Wayne Gretzky rookie card. Just Gretzky was my guy. You know, he's the GOAT. Jeremy, I know you agree with me on this, and I've argued, I've had lots of discussions over the years, but hands down, the 1979-80 Opeachy Wayne Gretzky. And on the baseball side of things, my favorite card because of the uniqueness would have to be 1989 Flair Billy Ripken. I think that it's just a unique card, and if guys that were in the hobby in 1989 remember – all about the card, the hype. It was, I think it was, I might've been on the cover of Sports Illustrated or somewhere. It was everywhere. It's about this mistake. And then the black box, the white box, the table, the, I just think it's awesome. So yeah, that overall, be my two favorite. And I, I agree with you on the way. To me, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I'll say it many more times. I think if you're in the hobby and you collect important players, uh, you need a Gretzky rookie in your collection. Okay, question number two. What is your highest priority want card right now? Something that you can actually, you know, I'm not talking about a PSA 8 Honus Wagner or a PSA 9 Mickey Mantle, but something that you're actually going to acquire one of these days. George Vesna, rookie. So, I, I, yeah, that's it. Straightforward. I, I We talked a little bit about that, but that is the card that I want to acquire. We may be seeing one shortly tonight. Question number three. Where is your favorite place to buy cards, Brad? Toronto Expo hands down yeah I'm, I'm i'm with you there and other yeah and, and the national the summit I, i'm with you on that question number four if you could change one thing about the hobby what would it be the negativity i you know you asked that question and i i'm not a big social media guy but i just look at the banter and some of the useless like, brian gray summed it up when i i love listening to him when i both times he's on your show, two, three times now, two times, three times. You know, we're in this thing together. And every time I turn around now, I hear someone say, it's crazy. This makes no sense. This makes, you know, we're in this industry now. Like, let's ride it out. Let's switch the negative comments into positive comments. Oh, my God, my Gretzky rookie was $4,000 last June. Now it's worth $20,000. Like, that's a positive. And people just go, these idiots that are spending the money, it's going to drop, it's going to do this, it's going to do that. No, be positive. If you bought stock in Apple 10 years ago, I don't think you say, oh, it's ridiculous, it's crazy. No, you, you, if you want to cash in, cash in. If you want to keep them, I'm a collector. Jerry, you're a collector. It goes through my mind. I'm like, every day I get out, when should you sell? When should you sell? I don't know, do what makes you happy. If, if you can use the money for other purposes, sell but try to be positive positive it's funny because when you said that i was that wasn't exactly what i was expecting in terms of all the negativity out there because we i'm with you i'm with you on that and it's an interesting thought to have because a lot of the negativity is coming from the values of the cards right now people just they have trouble believing it they they think that there's nefarious action going on behind it there's manipulation and i'm not saying there isn't there is going to be a degree of manipulation in this hobby probably all the time but I think at the end of the day, people are spending money on cards more than before. You know, I know I I hear it all the time. People are asking, they send me messages all the time. What should I buy? This or this or should I that or should I upgrade to this card or buy that card? All these different questions. And you know, people are they're not, I'm not talking about fifty hundred dollar cards. I'm talking about five, ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollar cards. People are paying more money for cards now than ever before. I've bought cards for more money than I ever thought I would 
pay before. And so, you know, I'm not, again, not saying there's no manipulation going on. There likely is, and there's definitely something going on in, at some times, you know, people will sell a card online, maybe have somebody else bid on it, set this comp that might be false, and then advertise that comp to establish value for their cards. We know that goes on here and there, but at the same time, there's a lot of legitimate sellers out there that are getting legitimate bids for big legitimate money, relatively speaking. So I'd like to see some of the negativity uh, kind of go away as well. And it's almost like, you know, if, if you don't like the hobby, you know, I, I, I've said, I welcome everyone into the hobby except for fraudsters. You know, you're welcome in whatever your angle is. Just don't rip, just don't be, don't deceive people and don't be, don't, don't be a, don't be a fraud really. Right. And, uh, but otherwise come into the hobby, have fun, enjoy it. And if you don't, you know, you're free to leave this. This is, this is, you're volunteering to be here. It's, it's your decision to be in the hobby. If you're just going to go out there and complain and be negative and, 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 try to get under other people's skin. Here's the door. Get out. Okay. Question number five. What is your biggest purchase or sale regret? Um, that's a good one. And I had different answers and a text message just popped up and I, I love how good you are, Jeremy. You're reading to the left. You're staying focused. That's not easy to do. <laughs> I just Thank got you. a message and it threw me for a complete loop. And I looked over and I, I, I guess when I had that question written down, it was the biggest regret kind of in the hobby or purchase or so forth. But I'll go back to my buddy, Kenny Reed. I know Bobby Burrell, who I don't know that well personally. I met him a few times. We did a couple deals. One of the smartest guys in the hobby, one of the nicest guys in the hobby. But my number one in the world, Kenny Reed knows more about the game and is more passionate than that than anyone I know. I gave Kenny some advice at the national back November, 2019, I think it was. And he asked my opinion if he should buy or sell a card. And I said, sell right now. That's all the money you're ever going to get. Since then, the card has quadrupled. So, <laughs> and he just threw me for another look. Since then, the card has quadrupled or went five times that. So I regret giving my good friend, some bad advice then, but at the time I thought it was great advice. So. Yeah, oh, I like that. I've never had that answer where it didn't, it wasn't even your card, it was someone else's. Uh, Sean makes a comment here. It's easy to be positive if you're making a fortune because you bought in earlier. Why would us more recent collectors be thrilled by exploding prices? Yeah, that, that's a really fair comment, Sean. And my only response to that is, yeah, you're maybe you're not thrilled because you got in a little bit, you got in late or you got in now. I don't, I don't want to say late. You got in when you got in. But if you don't want to pay the prices, don't. That It's it's as easy as that. You have 100% control over what you buy. And if a PSA 8 Gretzky is now $25,000 and you that's out of your range, your comfort zone for spending money on a single card, which it is for 99% of the people out there, that's more than fair. But your options are then to go to a lower grade. So yeah, I don't expect you to be super excited. You can't afford a PSA 8 anymore, but you can be super excited about your ability to have free will and make the decision not to buy the card at all. That's that's really up to you. And then you can maybe blame yourself for not getting in earlier. I, I say that in jest. I say that we all we all have our regrets in this hobby over the past year. I've got some wins, but I've, I've left a lot of money on the table. If you knew how many PSA 7 Gretzky's and PSA 9 Mario Lemieux I sold earlier this year, by, like in the first half of the year, 
you know, we all have some of those stories, I have to think. Uh, Ryan says, changing the negativity. Exactly. Love that Sports Cards Live keeps it positive. I try to. I appreciate that very much, Ryan. Uh, some more people, I you know, saying that they understand the negativity if you just came in. But if you just came in, you might, you know, unless you're looking at historical trends, you might not even know where we were. And then it's like, again, you weren't there. You you There's nothing you could have done. You know, it, it's it's almost like saying someone wins the lottery because they bought the lottery ticket that was sold just before you. You know, you couldn't get out of your house until a couple of minutes later. You know, don't don't blame the game. Blame the circumstance, right? And that's that's what it is there. So Brett Miles says, free will. Jeremy, you hit the nail on the head. There is so much to love about this hobby. Lots of it doesn't involve slab cards. Yeah, that's that's a great that's a that's a great point too there Brett you don't have to just have uh slabbed cards I I agree with that now personally I love my cards in slabs certain cards I have some that don't need to be in them but I do love the ones that, that are in them okay we are now going to move on to what I call PC card of the day this is where I show a card from my personal collection that ties into my guest so I always ask my guests before we meet up sort of I, need, I want to show a card from my collection. I'm a collector. I'm a collector. I want to enjoy my collection and share it with my audience. So um, I'm going to do that. And Brad, you mentioned earlier what your biggest want card was. And you said it was the George Vezina rookie. So I have one in my collection. I bought this card in 2006 or seven. So I've had this card for almost 15 years. It's in a PSA slab, the way I bought it, an old, old label. It's That's how long ago I bought it. But this is a 1911 C55 George Vezina in a PSA 5 holder that I absolutely love. It's been, I've had it for a long time and I'm just going to share it with the, with the audience. This is what, if you don't know what a PSA slab looks like, and I'm certain all of you do, this is what it looks like. And this is a, you know, from the second set of hockey cards ever made, probably the most important card from that set. And what a lot of people consider the grail of sports cards and Brad, it's not for sale. So I can't sell it to you, yeah. but this is my PC card of the day that ties into my guest tonight being Brad Hartland of PSA Canada, Brad. So, okay, we're going to wrap up here very soon. I'm coming on, coming back on in 15 to 25 minutes or so with Brad from the Comeback Card Investor YouTube channel. He'll be my guest on After Hours, which is the late night show that we do on Saturday night. So if everybody out there wants a bit more content, you want to hang out some more, join me back here. You'll have to go back to the YouTube channel and click on the next, the new link, which will show up shortly. And uh, we will be in there going live again in about 20 to 30 minutes from now. Okay, Brad, while you, uh, I'm going to give you a minute to uh, sort of say thank you, goodbye, all that sort of stuff. We'll run through a few more comments and, um, You've also actually you mentioned to me before that you're you're good friends with uh, with Adam Martin from Dave and Adam Sports Cards, well well known retail shop, um, online presence. You know one, one of the biggest retailers in the business. And Adam is someone that I've you know he's been at the expo, see him at the national the expo. He walks around buys cards from us dealers. He's 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 a he's a great guy to buy card to buy cards from you. Um, to, you know very quickly. Tell if he's watching right now, tell him that he should be my guest on the future episode of Sports Cards Live because I've had his name on my wall as a target I want to have as a guest. I haven't been able to get a hold of him. Yeah. So I need you to I need you to help me out right now. Definitely. I'll do that. I'll, I will send him a message and I'll make sure that he watches this clip. Anyways, one of the 
one of the, again, like you just summed it up, one of the nicest, most, his whole operation, honesty, integrity, everything that, you know, I mirror myself to do the exact same things here. It's just a great operation. They started, just two of them. Now it's just Adam. Um, he can get into more of the details, how he's grown this business. But, I mean, he's taken it from that one card store into, I don't know if they have 100 employees down there, I'd say close to that, to running you know, probably the biggest sports card operation maybe in the world. You know, I take out the obviously the Walmarts and the et cetera, et cetera. But, um, yeah, I can't say enough good things. And I'm fortunate to call him a friend. And uh, we chat all the time and discuss different things. And sometimes it's just about life. But it, I can't say enough. This isn't a plug for Dave and Adam's card world. At the same time, it is a plug. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's cool man that's all good and I, i'd love to have him on the show for sure uh, i want to bring up a couple more comments and we're going to wrap up uh, brad hockey guy says i'm one of the negative people happy to elaborate it on it a bit in after hours it's pretty simple why i am i just want to say hockey guy 2006 watches all the shows comments throughout i mean you may have a sour taste in your mouth for some things i'm not speaking just to you hockey guy chris i know your name i'm talking to anybody who may be in that same sort of mindset because this guy, hockey guy, two thousand six, while he might feel negative in his mind, I don't, I don't feel it from you when you're communicating and putting yourself out there on social media or on YouTube in the chats. You're, you may be negative, but you're not, you're not kind of, um, you know, putting it out there and poisoning other people who may not be negative. So if you're negative in your own mind, there's some things about the hobby you don't like. That's fine. I think we all probably have those. But instead of, you know, the whole uh, misery likes company sort of thing, maybe just try to find the positives you can. Because like Brett said earlier, there's so many things in this hobby to be positive about and to enjoy that if you're just like, I've been reading some Facebook groups lately and it's like I want to I want to not be a member of them anymore because I read them. and I'm just like, why are you guys in the hobby? All you're doing is poisoning everything. Like there's one vintage hockey group. It's like, are you kidding me? These guys, it's like, I just want out, but I don't want to get out because I want to stay. I kind of want to stay informed and see what's what's being talked about. But it's like, oh, it's 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 it feels cancerous. Some of this stuff I, I read about out there. It, it's just anyway, it is what it is, right? You, you, we, we have a very it's one of the other things about the about the hobby, Brad. We it's such a diverse group of people. We all approach it in our own unique way. We all have our own personalities, our own demeanors, what makes us tick, what doesn't. And, you know, like I said earlier, I welcome you all into the hobby. Not that it's my hobby to do it, but I mean, just I just say that I, I welcome everybody to the hobby as long as you're not looking to, you know, do criminal type of activity or fraud or shill bidding or any of those things that are just not, you know, trimming cards, all these things. Don't do that. Keep it real keep it honest. Let, let's, let's be positive. Let's, we're all in this hobby together. Why not try to grow it together? And if we're not happy with some of the, the uh, commercial businesses that are involved in the hobby, you know, it's funny we call it the hobby because it's a business. It's an industry. It's actually an industry that is comprised of businesses and customers, the customers, are the collectors, and the businesses are the ones who provide us with our products and services, just like any industry out there. We call it a hobby, but every hobby has businesses that profit from it. If you want to go knit, you have to buy those knitting needles and that yarn and those patterns from somewhere. How do I know so much about knitting? I don't. But, you know, you want to go fishing. You got to buy a fishing boat, fishing rods, lures, the gear, the clothes. 
And then you might want to pay for a tour once in a while and fly to go do it. Like every hobby costs you money. So, you know, talking about cash grabs, like, are you new to the world? Every business is a cash grab. Nobody works for free. You going to work and charging your employer your hourly rate wage is a cash grab. Give me my money. You're trading time for it's a cash grab. Whenever I see the cash grab comment, I'm just like, come <laughs> on, guys, come on. It's 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 the world we live in. You know, go live in go live in a communist country if you don't like cash grabs. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, sorry. That, that's my that's my rant for for the end of this episode here. Um, all right, guys. Thanks everybody for watching tonight. Thank you, Brad Hartland, for joining me this evening and shedding some light on what is PSA Canada, what's to come. I'm looking forward to you building the business, uh, really scaling it up. Um, you know, can't wait to use the service. I've never done it. I've only submitted directly to PSA before. So any final words from you? Yeah, I guess, you know, I, one thing I'll say, just I'll keep it short and sweet, but submit what you're comfortable with. Start the process. Don't send in 50 or 100 cards or right out of the get-go if you're not comfortable or you're new. Do what's best for you so you get a positive experience back from using PSA and using PSA Canada. Um, I think that's it. That sums it up for that. I wanted to say one other thing, Jeremy. The This week, I don't know, a lot of the viewers would know, maybe know this guy lifelong collector of hockey cards, a dear Madison, he well known on the East Coast, passed away um, suddenly this week. Uh, he was in his 70s, I want to say, but lifelong collector, one of the best hockey card collections out there. Anyway, some guys I know that will be watching might not have heard, but I just wanted to send that. And then to some, to finish things up, just thank you so much. And again, as a guy that I've said, told you before, I don't think I missed an episode. I watch them. I don't watch them live. I watch them when I'm driving on the road. It's it's the best entertainment, the best content. And I was just very thankful for you having me on the show. And I, I loved leading up to it. I was a little bit nervous, but you make me you made me feel comfortable. The the questions that you pick off, and that's it. I want to say thanks. I really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, man. You're you're more than welcome. It's my it's my privilege to have you on. And uh, I just want to give my condolences to your your friend, the, our, our fellow hobbyist who passed away. That's, that's sad to hear. Condolences to his family and friends for sure, and to the the, the East Coast hobby that all knew him and I'm sure loved him. That's a that, that's a sad story. But I'm glad that you were able to get the word out there uh, via this uh, this channel. So that's pretty cool. Um, okay, guy uh, Tony, thank you so much. Great work. Keep up, keep up the good work. This is for the hobby. Sky's the limit. Thank you. I appreciate. There's some positivity. Thank you so much, Tony. And uh, okay, that that's great. So we're gonna sign off now, everybody. Thanks again for joining us. If you haven't subscribed to the channel, please go ahead and do so. Lots of great guests coming up this coming Wednesday. Edward from Investacard, who recently partnered with. Marcus Lemonis, who is from CNBC's show, The Profit, one of my favorite shows. I'm not even kidding. Marcus Lemonis. If I could have dinner with one person in the world, it would be Marcus Lemonis. I, that's no BS. I mean that. So I'm happy that Edward, who's partnered with him, uh, has agreed to come on. Special episode this Wednesday, January 30th, sat next Saturday, seven days from now. Brett McGrath, one of the most positive and uh just got a great vibe going on. He hosts a, uh, a podcast called Stacking Slabs. He'll be joining me. And then February 6th, two weeks from now, Mike Fruitman from Mike Stadium Sports out of Colorado will be joining me. He's he's had a card shop for a long time. So that'll be a real 
sort of a card shop focused episode here here uh, his perspectives on the hobby he's been around for a very long time so be sure to check out those episodes sean says psa has its reputation for a reason it has earned it just as jeremy has wow thank you so much sean really nice i that that's just very flattering thank you so much all right that's it for my goodbyes We'll be back on here very soon with Brad from the Comeback Card Investor on After Hours. Check that out. Look forward to seeing you all then. Thanks, everybody, for joining. This was fun. Saturday night, January the 23rd, 2021, episode 76, Sports Cards Live. Thank you to Brad Hartland. Everybody else, good night until we see you on After Hours. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.